Hey there, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us today, listening in as we face an unprecedented crisis uh, for this generation. Um, by this generation, I mean really probably Gen Gen X, which is my generation, and uh, the millennials. We haven't ever faced something like this in our lifetime. And of course, I'm talking about the coronavirus and the complete shutdown, really, of America right now. I know other countries have already uh, been facing this for you know some time um, in 2020, at the end of 2019. So things are really scary for a lot of people on a lot of levels, not just in terms of worrying about the physical health possibilities and repercussions for uh, particularly, you know, the elderly and those who are immune compromised, autoimmune disorders, but also from a financial standpoint and from a mental health standpoint, having to be isolated um, and just having to worry about where this is all going to lead us. It is, it's hard to know. We really have absolutely no idea. Um, we have no idea how long this lockdown is really going to last. We have no idea what the Im true impact will be on our hospitals and, uh, you know, our medical staff and, um, and really how, um, it's, uh, impacting our economy from the stock market at the top down to, you know, the, the people that already struggle on a day-to-day -day basis to put food on the table or keep a roof over their heads. It's impacting us all. And that's the only place that I take some solace is that we are all being impacted. And that in a way brings us together in, um, you know, in a time that we have been so separate and so disconnected and so, uh, sometimes downright hateful of each other and, you know, our desires in this lifetime right now that, that playing field is leveled. I mean, of course, there's some people that have a, a hell of a lot of money that is probably, you know, are probably not being impacted um, in the same ways. But still, I, I think that there is um, a sense of urgency for every one of us. And hopefully that can lead to a better understanding of each other, um, more love and compassion for each other, and the recognition that we are all the same doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how young or old we are. We are all the same. And we have forgotten that on a deep level. And so I hope that returns as we face this together because that's how we're going to get through it. So I wanted to point you towards a free EFT uh, video that I did um, that's on YouTube that is all about dealing with the fear that is coming up for everyone during this crisis. I think it's really important to allow your feelings. They're real, they're valid, but then also have some tools to really ground you and bring you, you know, back to a place of trust inside of yourself because otherwise we're just going to all spin out of control. So I, you know, was inspired to share this a couple days ago because I myself, that's one of the ways that I've been making it through this intact um, is to do EFT, you know, several times a day. So I'll put a link in the show notes um, so that you can go directly there. 
and um, or you can just go to my YouTube channel. It's um, Christine Garvin. And I'm going to put up some more to, you know, help people through this time. So I plan to hopefully put up another one in the next day or two that's all about supporting your immune system. And speaking of immune system support, I was just, um, I, I don't know, something came through me in such a big way. I spent four days at the end of last week into this weekend creating an immune defense program for you all because I think it's so, so important to talk, to focus on building our immunity. I feel like that is something that's not being talked about enough um, generally. You know, we're talking about washing your hands. We're talking about social distancing. We're uh, talking about isolation, which are all important things um, and necessary, but we also need to be building our immune systems. I know, you know, in my work, how uh, depleted, honestly, so many people's immune systems are. I don't know this just from you know the symptoms that I see, though those show me all the time, but also from the testing I utilize with the GI map. It actually has an immune system marker on there, so I can actually see um, that so many people's immune systems are depleted, and. Really, the best defense uh, against this virus and any virus is to support your immune system. And there's so many ways that we can do this. So many things, you know, in our in our gardens, in our yards, um, nutraceuticals, things that really boost our immunity in incredible ways that we don't even comprehend. I'll just you know say this little story. So my dad, as some of you may know who've been listening, um, had an emergency heart surgery done in January of this year, and he was you know in the hospital um, and in a rehab facility for about a month and a half altogether. And those first few days, he was in the ICU. I spent the night um, every other night. My mom spent one night, and then I spent the other night. And there were two people on his floor that were there from, from flu complications. So, you know, the nurses made sure to tell us that and to be really aware. And I, you know, I did not get a flu shot. I don't get flu shots. Um, and I definitely had a depressed immunity um, because I had done a GI map about a month before that and saw my immune system being low, um, and which no, was no surprise to me considering, you know, all my surgeries that, that lasts a lot longer than people realize. But um, I did all the things that I mentioned in this immune defense um, program um, to boost my immunity, and I didn't get the flu. In fact, I did not get sick at all this winter, which is kind of crazy considering those immune system markers. But it's because I took action and I did the things that needed to be done, you know, including things like vitamin D, vitamin K, uh, vitamin A and C. Um, at that point, I did elderberry. I don't recommend that for the coronavirus because there's some indication that um, it upregulates aspects of your system that you don't want to um, with this particular virus. But zinc um, and, you know, a lifestyle things, um, particular herbs, I go into all of these in this immune defense program. And um, it's all very uh, backed by science. Pretty much every recommendation in, in there has a link to a scientific study because I think that's important for people to understand. There is so much science behind these immune-boosting things and per, in particular against viruses. It's, it's all antiviral things. And 
we have the power to really support our immune systems in ways that we don't really understand. And I want people to be able to access that. So the program is a 30 plus page um, immune defense booklet, which goes into all of these things, as I just mentioned, uh, foods, nutraceuticals, herbs, essential oils, uh, lifestyle choices that has a huge impact on your immune system. You know, talking about sleep and stress and all of these ways to really um, balance these things out. I give lots of specifics on how to do that. I talk about the microbiome and how important that is in your immunity and how, ways to go about building that, you know, uh, definitely with probiotics, but beyond that. I also talk about spiritual considerations um, and, you know, other things that come into play because it's all important. This is a very holistic way to build your immune system. You also get a 25 recipe uh, uh, antiviral Foods and immune-boosting foods are part of these recipes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and desserts, um, because you want to keep your sugar down during this time. So I, I put a lot of, um, I put several recipes in there that are low sugar. Sugar depletes our immune system, so you want to keep that really low during this time, which I know is hard with, you know, all the snacks that we got for staying at home, but really to um, prop up your immune system. You want to um, keep that as low as possible. So that is um, one choice in the program, um, well, excuse me, one program choice where you get those two and you get those for, you know, minimal costs. It's, I think, $39. Um, or you can choose to get the program that includes actual uh, supplemental immune system boosters that I love. The the A, the C, the K, and the D that I mentioned before. And then also my favorite, favorite probiotic that changed my world um, and gave me back, you know, good digestion um, post losing half my colon. I believe in this probiotic more than about anything else I've ever taken in my life. And so I know how important that is for our immune system during this time. So it's part of that packet. So those, these are high quality supplements that are only, you know, sold through practitioners. And I felt that that needed to be included as an option. So there's a second program option where you can get those included. It's about $130, I think, worth of supplements. But you get the whole package, the two booklets, the supplements, and then also 20% off of any further immune-boosting supplements. And that's about $159 or two, um, two I think it's like two, you know, a payment option for two months of $89 each. So I will put that in the notes. You can check that out. Um, if that's something that you're needing right now to help support your immunity, I highly recommend um, doing that, not just for this virus, but for all the viruses that come out, you know, all of, all of the things that our bodies encounter on a daily basis. We really need to do better at supporting our own systems and propping them up because what's what happens is we start to build immunity to these things right so when they inevitably come back around our body knows how to deal with it it's pretty amazing so check the show notes for inf uh, information about those and this episode today which we're about to jump into 
I, uh, you know, had planned on because I have a bunch of, of recordings with amazing guests. So this one wasn't originally going to be on for a few more weeks, but it was so timely, um, I think, in the story that I wanted to go ahead and, and get it out to you. So it's with a woman named Tara Coyote, and she has been facing stage four breast cancer for the past um, couple of years. And her story is so inspiring and her approach and uh, the lessons that she's learned is so inspiring. And talking about, you know, really appreciating life every single day. And that's so important during this time where it's really hard to feel appreciative of our lives because so much has been taken away. But then hopefully we can see how much we have been given, how much of the uh, the little things that we take for granted, how important they are, how those are truly what make up living. So I hope that you're as inspired by her story as I was. Um, and you know, if you have someone that's going through something intense, like a cancer diagnosis um, or or their uh, treatment for it, um, or other, you know. Um, disease or illness that's keeping them sort of, you know, in and out of the hospital, I really encourage you to share this episode with them because hopefully it will give them more hope um, and a feeling of connection because we're not alone. That's, as I mentioned in the beginning of this introduction, we're all connected. We're all facing these things. So I hope that you enjoy the episode and take really good care of yourself. Let's jump in. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach, and each week I talk with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, your health, and your well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey everybody, it's Christine, and welcome to this episode of Hormonally Speaking. So glad that you are here with us today. As always, I have you know amazing guests that come on this show, and today I'm particularly intrigued, and um, I don't know if the word is excited, but um, just moved by this woman's story. So her name is Tara Coyote, and I actually follow her on Instagram and learn about her story in that way. So she has um, been facing breast cancer in this just tremendous, tremendous way and just out there sharing her story, sharing her, her trials and ups and downs. And it's, it's, it's incredible. So she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer about three and a half years ago. And then, you know, originally she chose to just do exclusively the, the kind of natural path um, for two and a half years. Um, you know, I would think probably most of you kind of understand what that looks like as compared to going the traditional allopathic path. But um, at that point, her life was turned upside down and she was forced to sell the ranch and the retreat center that she owned at that time. And then the cancer spread. 
So she moved back to her home place of Kauai and facing death and, you know, the recommendation of getting into hospice, she decided to face her fears around the allopathic medicine and do the thing that most people end up doing with, um, you know, advanced or with the chemo. So after nine months of intense chemo, our last test scores, which she just recently got in the last couple of weeks, um, showed that she's cancer free, which is incredible, incredible. And what a journey, right? So it doesn't mean she doesn't have any cancer in her body, but she has really come out um, on top in, in this, um, this thing that she's been facing for so long. And, and though, of course, it, it's never ending, um, just to, to take the time and really um, appreciate, I think, what, what she has gone through is such an amazing thing. So welcome, Tara. Sorry, Thank Tara. <laughs> I, okay. I knew I'd do it. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for being here. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah. So you have just this, you know, incredible story that I just gave a little bit of a synopsis about, but that's really the, um, the version from being on the outside. So I really want to share with people what your experience is like being on the inside, particularly with, you know, this epidemic of breast cancer that we have really in this country at this point. So you want to start with your story? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, like you said, I was diagnosed three and a half years ago with stage three breast cancer. Um, a little bit about my history is that my best friend of 19 years was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia before I had my cancer journey. Wow. And I saw her choose the completely standard route because acute myeloid leukemia is the most aggressive form of blood cancer. And I was by her side for 22 months in the hospital with her for months at a time. She chose, you know, lots of chemo. She did a bone marrow transplant. And I had a lot of trauma due to that circumstance of being with her. So I can imagine. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. It was beautiful and it was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, So she unfortunately died and almost exactly to the day, like a year after she died, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And I was, you know, I've always been very natural my whole life. My mother was like that. I've never taken pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. um, except for a low dose thyroid medicine. I just want to add that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey girl, I know. <laughs> I know the need for that. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of common. Mm-hmm. So anyways, but when I was faced, they told me that I had to get a mastectomy lots of chemo, lots of radiation. And I was terrified by that. So I really dove into myself to find my inner strength and thought like, okay, I'm going to choose a natural method. And Mm -hmm. in that time, I also decided to be in the public eye. So Mm -hmm. I've been blogging and videoing about my journey this whole time. Um, And I was doing really, really well for a long time. It was almost cancer free, Mm -hmm. according to some tests. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, I experienced a lot of upheaval in my life. I had to let go of my beautiful ranch retreat center that I ran in Northern California. And it was incredibly stressful to let that go. And during that time, the cancer spread to multiple places in my body, to my my lungs, my liver, my bones, my adrenal glands. And I moved back home to Kauai to heal where my dad's from. Mm -hmm. And when I was here, the whole medical system here is much more gentle than Northern mm-hmm. California, more of the aloha spirit. And I've had several, I had several doctors, you know, a year ago, 
So they told me like the natural doctors and the natural doctors all said, Tara, we think you should consider chemotherapy. It might save your life. Cause mm. at that point, um, the cancer was so bad in my lungs. Like I couldn't have a conversation. I had to sleep sitting up for months at a time. Ugh. I was just coughing constantly and my bones were starting to break down. I had to walk with a cane in my left hip. Wow. It was so severe. And so at that point I was preparing for death. Like I was getting my paperwork in order. I had a death midwife lined up. I mean, mm. it was mm-hmm. very serious and my family was coming out to visit me. I thought, okay, well, I really want to live. You know, I, I didn't want to do chemotherapy, but my love for life and my son, it gave me strength to like, okay, I'm going to try this. I don't want to do it, but I'll try it. And I had to face a lot of the trauma regarding my dear friend Deb's death. Mm-hmm. And I've done an extreme amount of healing in this time. And um, so I did nine months of chemo. It was very difficult. During that time, about four months ago, I broke my left hip um, because the bone metastasis was so bad. So I had to have double hip surgery, uh, a hip replacement surgery on the left hip, and then a rod put in on my right leg from my knee to my hip to prevent future breakage on my right side. So I had to learn to walk again. And um, it's been a rough journey, but I have to say I've grown so much and I'm extremely grateful to be alive now. I feel like I've been given a second chance and um, I am just living my life fully. I'm wanting yeah. to make a documentary showing other late stage cancer journeyers who are thriving and beating the odds. So I'm just so happy to be alive and to be given a second chance. And I just also wanted to add that um, I'm still doing natural methods all this time. I've been doing vitamin IVs and lots of supplements and really keeping that going, which is why I think I'm doing so well because I'm doing a complementary method. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll definitely want to dive into that later. Um, there's so many questions that came up while you were talking. And then we started at the beginning. So how did you actually find out you had breast cancer in the first place? Right. Um, well, during the time my dear friend Deb was sick, I was extremely pushed to my limit because I was taking care of a ranch by myself and two horses and driving a lot because she lived down in Marin. I lived in Nevada City, California. So it was like seven hour round trip. So sometimes I would take a trip once a day to go see her because she was, you know, dying during a period of that time. And so I was really pushed to my limit. So I wasn't practicing great self-care. Like I wasn't listening to my body. It was all about showing up for her. A lot of times people with breast cancer, they tend to be caregivers Mm. and that's definitely my case Mm -hmm. so I wasn't listening and paying attention to my body Um, about nine months after she died I started noticing that there was a lump in my left breast that was not going away it was starting to get bigger and I've always had lumpy breasts so Mm. I was not you know I would dismiss it being like oh my breast just being lumpy it's just what it does right but it was at a point where the lump was becoming too prominent that it was like I think I should get this checked Mm. out Mm -hmm. so of course I tried to make an appointment it took me like a month or two to finally get it checked out with insurance and all that but by the time I found out it was like okay yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty far along it's stage Mm -hmm. three what do you think about uh, thermography? Is it thermography? Is that how you say it? Um, yeah. Yes, what do you think about that versus, you know, sort of the traditional method of, of trying to figure out? Because I know people are trying to get the less radiation. Do you, have you found that that's a good avenue for women? 
I definitely think it's a great avenue. It's a lot yeah. less toxic. Um, yeah. I did do a thermogram. I was living in Marin for many years and I did one there. Mm -hmm. And my mistake was not to follow through it, but I should have been doing that, you know, once a year or so mm -hmm. because of the cost, because insurance didn't cover it. I right. didn't do it. Right. In right. retrospect, it would have been really good if I had. So I definitely think thermography is great because you can detect cancer far earlier than a mammogram can and you don't get the radiation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, I highly believe in thermography. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that obviously should be covered by insurance, but you know, because, because yeah. it's a woman's thing, it's not. Um, as, yeah. So anyways, um, the other thing that I really, you know, I thought about as you were telling your story was how did you deal with your hips? This is while you were doing chemo, right? Yeah. How did you handle getting surgery during chemo? I mean, do they stop the chemo for you to go into surgery? They did. Well, I broke my hip and then I was in the hospital for a week and then there was a lot of rehab I had to do. So I think I took two months off of getting chemo. Okay. I did go back and try it once, but the bone pain was so intense because the type of chemo I was getting, Taxol creates bone pain. So it was too right. much for me to handle. Right. So I had to wait till my body was a little bit more recovered to do it, which was a good thing because that would have been too much to do all at so once. So much, yeah. So um, I, I'm in an ostomy support group. I had a um, tragedy happen to me a couple of years ago that um, probably most of my listeners know about by now, but I, I had a fibroid removed and they uh, unknowingly burned me in three places in my intestines during that surgery. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with sepsis and lost about half of my colon and I had an ostomy for about six and a half months. And, um, you know, as painful as that situation was being an awesome support group and seeing so many people with cancer, you know, often it's colon cancer. And so they ended up having to get part of their colon removed, um, and do radiation therapy, you know, and, and sometimes chemo too. Um, and just the pain of having to do surgeries and the radiation, the chemo, I just, it, it, just breaks my heart every time I read stories about that, you know, it's just, it's, it's so hard to think that anybody ever, you know, has to hold that much right. in a lifetime. So, yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious how, how you've held everything that you've had to face, including, you know, watching your friend, go through um, such pain for so long and then having to go through this experience on your own. Yeah, great question. I'm sorry you had to go through that, by the way. <laughs> um, my attitude is, I think attitude is everything, to be honest. My attitude is like, okay, yes, this is tremendously challenging, but it'll just make me stronger. Um, you know, attitude of gratitude is mm -hmm. cliche, but I tend to take that attitude of like, find the beauty, find the joy. Okay, yes, it's hard. I'm stuck in a hospital. I can't get out of bed. But these nurses are wonderful beings. So Ugh, finding amazing. something, yeah. some gem of like, okay, yeah, I'm stuck in bed for a couple of weeks and I have to learn to walk. So here's an opportunity to take time to talk with my friends on the phone or read a book or whatever it may be. So mm -hmm. my attitude's always been find a way through, like find the beauty. And um, it's, I'm very fortunate that I moved back home to Kauai because I am surrounded by so much beauty and mm -hmm. it's more relaxed pace of life. So I think that's helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, just the attitude. I think of it also, you know, Joseph Campbell talks about the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. I think that like the heroine's journey where there's obstacles and so how do you get through it? How do you keep going? And that's been my attitude all the way along. Also, I just want to add um, the mother of my niece also died after my friend Deb did. So these were two of my closest friends and they both died very young from cancer, 46 and 47. So there's been a lot of death. It's been very challenging. So yeah. and in that there's a gift of also facing deaths because I feel like we live in a death phobic culture. Mm -hmm. So if we face the fear of death and it's not so scary anymore, then we can really come to life. So yeah. these are some of the lessons that I've learned along the way. And how important are those right now, right? With everything that we're facing in the world, right? This is kind of the yeah. biggest thing of most of our lifetimes, you know, in terms of the coronavirus and um, the impact that it will undoubtedly have for everyone. You know, I mean, I just read, just I think right before we got on the call that Italy's death toll went up to like 800 and something, you know, um, just in 24 hours, it was like 172 yesterday or something like that. And talk about having to face death really fast, right? In yes. a completely different way. And so, um, you, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the thing that was very interesting for me when I was in the hospital um, cause I ended up, I, you know, I ended up being in the hospital, I think about two weeks after my, sur my emergency surgeries, which at the, that point felt like forever to me, you know, and then I learned about how many people were in the hospital for months, you know, and it's, it's absolutely, it's just, yeah, heartbreaking to think about that. But I remember, you know, people would talk to me about certain things and I was like, you know, all I can do, like, I don't want to say your role gets really small, but it gets really focused, right? You're like, mm -hmm. okay, I can only focus on this, this moment in front of me. And when you're in extreme pain, it's just like getting through that, that minute of pain, right? And getting okay, through the so. next minute of pain. And then, you know, as you start to get a little bit better, you're like, okay, I can think a little bit outside of this bed that I'm in, you know? And I remember having part of what would get me through the night sometimes because I couldn't sleep at all, you know, was just dreaming of a house and the people that I love being in it as much as possible, right? And that to me was such a clarification of what was important in life that we forget when all of these, you know, we're chasing all of these things that we think that we want. Right. Well yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, I think it can be a gift, like you said, mm -hmm. to tune into what truly matters. So, mm -hmm. and wow. when we go about life, I know before I was, well, before Deb was diagnosed, I just had this idea of like, of course, I'll live to be in my 80s and right. I have tons of time to do whatever I want. But now it's like, okay, I'm alive now. What do I want to do and who do I want to be around? So, yeah. really so, focuses what's going on. For right. Me. Right. At what point during the chemo journey were you able to start, you know, feeling good enough again to kind of be out in the world more? Right. Well, when I first started out with chemo, I did a lot of the protocol for breast cancer is you do two months or so of AC, it's called, okay. and then Taxol. That's what I had for hormone-driven breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So I had two and a half months of AC due to complications because I landed in the hospital in June due to intense mouth and throat sores where I couldn't eat. So they were admitted to me to the hospital. So those two and a half months were very hard. That was the hard chemo that knocked all my hair off. This is not my hair. These are my fun phrases. They are super fun though. I love them. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm like, why not enjoy life? <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so that was very difficult. That definitely knocked me out where I had to have kind of like a full-time caregiver. I couldn't mm. really function well. I lost 25 pounds. I mean, wow. what happens with intense chemo, it pushes your immune system to the edge because you're killing the cancer. But of course, you knock out the immune system too. Right. So this past summer, I stopped doing that. And then I started the Taxol, which was easier for me to manage. I could actually function better. So I'd have a day or two feeling really knocked out. Mm. Um, and then the rest of the week, I'd feel better. I mean, mm -hmm. not that it was easy by any means, mm -hmm. but I could take care of myself and, you know, do more normal activities. Mm -hmm. But it still was very challenging, too. I had to really know, okay, I'm doing chemo on Tuesday, which means I'll feel really bad Thursday through Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it's just learning the cycle basically. And also um, a lot of people with cancer, it's challenging because you feel very alone in the situation. Yeah. So a lot of people isolate and um, it's hard because, you know, you're dealing with your own fear of death and the culture's fear of death and all the stigma around cancer. So I really forced myself to go out and go dancing, do whatever I love to do basically despite what I was going through. But um, yeah, it takes a lot of courage. So this is actually why I'm sharing my story to try to help other people because mm -hmm. it is so challenging. Are you um, a believer in support groups, like being a part of support groups? Or do you think that can kind of, sorry, my cat likes to jump okay. through sometimes. <laughs> um, or do you think that that uh, can be a hindrance in the healing process? I think if a support group feels nurturing, that's a great idea. Um, you know, I live here in Kauai and there's not so much in that way, mm -hmm. but I have um, connected with so many people online through social mm -hmm. media and Facebook and Instagram all over the world, people going through this journey. And that's mm -hmm. been very helpful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure. If there was a support group I resonated with, I would definitely go to. Yeah. But well, I, love, I think it's different for everybody. Right, right. Well, I do think, you know, and I've told people this numerous times, like, I didn't know, I don't know why I didn't think about it when I first got my ostomy. Like, I didn't know that there were Facebook ostomy support groups, you know. And I, I remember I started Googling as soon as I got home because there's only so much medical information that I got from the doctors, you know, and I had to like fill in the blanks myself. And I came across all these old forums and, you know, learned some stuff from that. And then finally somebody said, oh, have you looked on Facebook? And I was like, well, duh. And then I ended up getting, you know, in the support groups there. And I thought, okay, this is one of the tremendous gifts of social media. Like there's a lot of, you know, bad things that we get with social media, but having that access, especially for people who can't really leave the house, like if they're right. in that place, you know, and their, their family just doesn't, no, no matter what, no matter how empathetic they are, they can't ever fully understand, right? And so to be um, able to put your stuff out to a group of people that's actually going through the same thing that you're going through or has gone through the same thing, then you feel um, so much less alone, which I think is a huge component, right, of healing too. So true. Yeah. 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 yeah it's important to have support, whatever or wherever yeah, it comes yeah. from family, friends, social media. It yeah. just helps tremendously. Yeah. Well, the, you know, thank you for sharing your story because I know it is helping a lot of people in that process. So with the um, IVs, were you doing that during the chemo too? Or did you start that um, later in terms of, you know, IV vitamin C, I'm guessing and, and other things? 
Yes. Yeah. Well, I've been doing high dose vitamin C infusions um, for, I would say like two and a half years or so during okay. the natural journey. Um, when I started doing chemo, I went down to, instead of doing the high dose vitamin C infusions, mm -hmm. I did like a vitamin and mineral infusion. Mm -hmm. So it had vitamin C in it, or has vitamin C in it, I should say, but it's not the full blast. Cause what I found with the vitamin C, I'm so sensitive, it would knock me out for days. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't handle chemo knocking me out and the high dose vitamin C. So I've been doing once a week for this whole time, the vitamin and mineral infusions, which I know has helped keep my body strong. Yeah. Do you so, know what minerals are in there? Um, not off the top of my head, but I yeah. do have it written down and I can send you the info. Perfect. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm curious because I know there's a lot of these, um, places around now that you can go in and get infusions. I don't know if that's the kind of place that you go or if they have it in the hospital. I'm just curious for people that, you know, are, do, are dealing with cancer or, or um, trying to do some prevention, you know, how accessible these are to them. Right. Well, they don't offer it through mainstream medicine, not mm -hmm. at least where I've seen. It's usually you see a naturopathic doctor. Every time mm -hmm. I've done it, it's been through naturopathic gotcha. doctors, basically. Gotcha. So alternative medicine. Right. And we unfortunately, have, you have to pay for it. Too. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's always all out of pocket, which I'd love to dive into here in a second, because um, I think that's a really important point. But um, we have a place here in Asheville, and I know it's in different places. It's called Hydrate. And uh, I think Hydrate Medical is what they go by, but you know, here they call it Hydrate Asheville. And I'll send clients there for uh, vitamin B12 shots because they're the cheapest around. But they have these infusions of, you know, it'll be vitamin C and usually like glutathione and, um, you know, some different minerals and that kind of thing, depending. And then obviously, um, you know, the potassium and sodium and that kind of thing. So um, right. I, I was like, do they have that on Kauai? That would be kind of surprising to me. <laughs> so you, I think it's very similar. Yes, yeah. 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 That's about what I'm getting to. Yeah. yeah. So how has that been um, the cost of dealing with cancer, you know, both allopathically and um, I, I, I hate the word alternatively, but, you know, uh, the uh, functional, I guess I, I would call it the functional side of dealing with cancer. Right. Yeah. It's, it's always tricky, the terminology. Yeah. Natural, all that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Natural. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been very expensive, especially when I was doing the all natural approach because mm -hmm. um, insurance covered nothing. Right. Um, a lot of that time I was in California. So I had to do multiple fundraisers. Um, honestly, I think I spent about $200,000. <laughs> a lot of money. I did maybe five different fundraisers. I have a wonderful community of friends and family and they all chipped in and, you know, I put myself out a lot on social media, which helped too, because mm -hmm. a lot of people knew about me. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up going to Mexico at one point, and I had to borrow money from a friend for that. And mm -hmm. part of the reason why I lost the ranch is because my natural protocol was so expensive, I couldn't yeah. afford to keep it anymore. Um, so when I moved back home to Kauai, I was very blessed because my family's from here. So I had a place to live that wasn't as expensive. Mm -hmm. And also doing the allopathic care, it was covered by insurance. So mm -hmm. now my costs are a lot lower, which I'm thankful for. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm still getting a lot of supplements and paying for the IVs. But yeah, it's, it's a lot to do the natural route. It's, I know a lot of people on the path and we all have to do fundraisers and mm -hmm. it's very challenging. It's, it's a shame, as you mentioned earlier, that 
you know, our insurance doesn't cover it. So a lot of people can't afford the natural route. So right. they're forced to do the chemo and radiation. And right. And even with the allopathic route, I'm assuming that there's certain things that aren't covered or that you max out on too, right? Right, yeah. right. I'm fairly lucky. My insurance, the insurance here in Hawaii is quite good. Oh, so good. I'm blessed that that's good to everything know. has been covered, but I know for some other people it isn't. So yeah, the right. costs add up and right. And that's another piece too, the stress of the cost, because of course yeah. stress isn't good for our health. So if you're right. stressed about money, then your body's ramped up and you're preventing the ultimate healing experience for yourself. Right. And I mean, that's, I think money is probably our biggest stressor as a human being, right? I mean, it's that ability to um, take care of yourself and to, it's really kicks into our survival mode issues, right? I mean, I think I'm seeing that, you know, we're all seeing that right now. I think we're all going to be impacted financially by the coronavirus and things shutting down. And, you know, I have a lot of artist friends and everything and they're dependent on events and things like that. And it's just, it's, it's crazy intense. And so it's like, we have to do double duty to, to calm our nervous systems. Right. So it's like, if you meditate normally for like 10 minutes, like kick into 20 or 30, you know, or take an hour, um, definitely obviously get off social media when you can, when it's just building up too much. Cause I've, I've done that in the past few days where I'm just like reading all the things and I'm like, stop, I know this is horrible for my immune system. Right. right. <laughs> the thing that we need to be doing well as we're facing this crisis. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about Mexico? Like what kinds of things did they do there? I'm super curious. Right. Sure. Um, I did some of the things in California that I did do in Mexico. There are, you know, alternative Mm -hmm. (laughs) non-toxic places you can go in the United States Mm -hmm. for medicine, similar to what I did in Mexico, though in the United States, it's harder to find because it's illegal and it's a lot more cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm. So when I was in Mexico, I did IVs, um, infrared sauna, mm. uh, ozone therapy, mm-hmm. um, ultraviolet red light therapy. There was a lot of different things. Um, I went to Hope for Cancer, and they have a lot of different protocols. They do this, uh, focusing on food to mm-hmm. healthy mm-hmm. food and juices. And um, let's see what else. I can, think that's can I about ask it. You- can I ask you about the ozone therapy? Because um, I find this really fascinating. So I know that, you know, it's being used sometimes for people with Lyme disease. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just got it done at the dentist's office for gum gum stuff that's going on, you know, receding gums. Um, and it was funny because while I was there, the the um, dental hygienist was who was working on my teeth and I, you know, we're going over my story she said oh you should look into doing the ozone um therapy anally and I was like oh I didn't realize that that's how it's done (laughs) if it's trying to get in your body is that what you had to do well I didn't do that in Mexico but when I came back home to Kauai I did that here and I actually purchased an ozone machine so yeah you can do it put it through every orifice basically so is it kind of like an enema when you do it that way or I'm just so curious I'm sorry I have to ask this question (laughs) no it's okay I know it creates a lot of curiosity um I guess yeah it is you put it in rectally you also can put it in your um yoni too okay so but rectally yeah you put it in and you hold it and then you basically release it 
Okay. So they also have ozone where they could pump it into your blood as well. That's what I, I think what I did in Mexico. Right. That's what I, the people that I know that have Lyme, they've done it that way. And so right. I was really interested about this anally thing. And I was like, well, I would, I would be a little bit nervous for me to do it just because I think my, you know, microbiome was so thrown off Right. with all the antibiotics and all of that kind of stuff, you know, um, and I've been working hard to kind of reestablish things. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to introduce any ozone in there, but I was like, wow, I'm fascinated by that, that that's an option because I know it, I mean, it really kills like everything it comes in contact with, right? Like all the bacteria right. that it comes in contact with. Yeah. It creates apoptosis of cancer cells okay. because cancer doesn't thrive in an oxygen rich environment. Gotcha. And that's what ozone creates. basically. Gotcha. So that's the theory behind that. And you're still using that at this point too. Um, I've taken a little bit of a break from it. Yeah. When I was doing the chemo, it was basically, I just could do what I could focus on. Yeah. So now I just finished chemo like a month ago or so. So I'm now kind of getting back into, okay, now what do I do post chemo? What can mm. I bring in? So I'm planning to bring that in. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Life yeah. Is full. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got on here too, about um, the hormones that you just got on, just you said on Sunday, I believe, you know, yes. can we talk a little bit about those and how that impacted you? Because I think that's, you know, a really important part of this, um, this whole thing too. Of course. Yeah. So I have hormone driven breast cancer, which means, um, well, I was, I just turned 50 mm -hmm. just this past weekend. So it's been a big Happy month birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, let's see. And so I was kicked into menopause this past spring. I did tamoxifen for about a month or two. And then without chemo, it just kicked me right into menopause. So I was like, okay, here we are. I didn't even have the symptoms before, which was kind of a blessing, mm -hmm. as I was telling you earlier. Mm -hmm. And so I finished treatment recently. And the whole idea post-treatment is to go on hormone blocking drugs because mm -hmm. the hormones will still try to creep in and feed the breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So they put me on, I started on Sunday with Letrozole and Ibrantz. They're the two drugs that are combined together to block your hormones. Mm -hmm. um, I did not feel good with both of them just this past Sunday, I was just knocked out, tired, couldn't even get out of bed. I told my doctor on Monday, I said, I can't do this. I need mm -hmm. to function. I have to be able to take care of my dog for crying out. Yeah, right. Come on. Stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doggy is not having that. <laughs> yes, she isn't. <laughs> so he said, okay, well, he's going to try to get me on a different drug mm -hmm. and then to continue the um, letrozole. So he took me off the Ibrant. So meanwhile, now I'm just on the letrozole and I'm dealing with various side effects from that. I mean, I'm functional, as you can see, I'm mm -hmm. talking to, um, I experienced a little bit of nausea. I can tell it's working with my head a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've got a little bit more anxiety going on than normal, which mm -hmm. also, you know, as you're talking about the coronavirus, that's going on simultaneously. So sure. what is what? So yeah, right. My exactly. body's in the process of adjusting basically. So, um, did they tell you that you would have, you know, more menopausal symptoms as, as side effects from it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. definitely, um, it's kicked up my hot flashes to be like mega hot flashes. Mm. <laughs> like I feel when it's just, I want to tear everything off. So. <laughs> yeah. <There we> go. <laughs> so do you have to be on them long term? Yes. It's yeah. pretty much for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, and because, you know, 
I have the late stage breast cancer, other right. people who aren't as advanced. Well, it's, they have to be on it as well too, but like maybe a lighter dose than yeah. I do. So, gotcha. but you know, in the big picture, I'm hoping I can find a balance with it and yeah. you know, I'm alive and that's what counts. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you've done that so well so far, you know, figuring out that balance. So I know that you had mentioned this in one of your posts and I've, I've heard this several other places recently. And I think it's really interesting, you know, this idea that um, stage four breast cancer was um, a death sentence at one point, but now it's looking more um, like a chronic, you know, they're looking at it more like a chronic illness. Yes. So can you explain that to people a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I love to think of this actually. It gives me a lot of hope and other people in my situation because, you know, there's a lot of fear in society. So if I tell people, yes, I'm journeying with stage four breast cancer, they all look at me like, oh my gosh, you're like a walking skeleton. Right. <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> no, I'm alive. I'm dancing. I'm living my life. So yeah. that's part of the reason why I'm sharing my story too. Be like, you can live your life and have experienced joy while going mm -hmm. through this. So the medicine has shifted, and this is something I didn't know till a year ago, really, mm -hmm. to be a point where you can sustain your life. It can be a chronic illness mm -hmm. with these supplements, which is also why I work really hard to drink healthy juice mm -hmm. and supplements and such mm -hmm. to keep my body stable. So it doesn't have to be a death sentence, you know, mm -hmm. not to say everybody with stage four cancer is going to live, you know, sure. unfortunately some do pass, but, um, my whole way of thinking was like, okay, so how can I maintain my life in a healthy way and use these medicines? So medicine is starting to shift to think of stage four cancer as a thing that can be managed mm -hmm. with medicines. And mm -hmm. I really focus on the frame of mind. I love the work of Joe Dispenza who mm -hmm. focuses on mind over matter and mm -hmm. really thinking of my body as being healed, which mm -hmm. I know helps me quite a bit. So absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, a wonderful thing for people to think about right now is, is bringing that into their days as much as they can. And, exactly. and I also, you know, it, I mean, I don't know enough about cancer research, um, particularly breast cancer research to speak to this, but I do feel like um, studies are being done on women in much bigger ways now, right? It, like what we've learned over the past couple of years is that so much of science has not, you know, women haven't been studied. They have, we haven't been part of the studies. It's all been on men. And so there's this kind of catch up that's happening now. And so I'm just curious with the, you know, um, with the speed of, of things kind of coming out now, is that part of this being looked at more like a chronic illness that, you know, within two more years, there's probably going to be other medicines that will extend your life even more? I believe so. I think mm -hmm. you're correct. I have a new oncologist and I really like him. He's on the cutting edge of research and such. And he told mm -hmm. me that same thing. He said, medicines are changing so fast mm -hmm. that, you know, could be in six months, something else comes out. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot to, to choose from, it seems like. And I know a lot of people on the breast cancer journey with stage four cancer, mm -hmm. and there's so many different drugs or, you mm -hmm. know, I get information like I'm taking this, I'm taking that. So yeah, I don't really know so much about it, but right. I do know there's a lot to choose from. Yeah. And did you end up having to have a mastectomy or, or no? Um, I did not. Okay. And in retrospect, this is something I really want to share with people. So <laughs> I was told to get a mastectomy, I tend to be pretty stubborn. And I'm like, 
I don't want to let go of my breasts. I right. breastfed my son for 22 months and I was very stubborn. Was like I can shrink this tumor on my own. And um, in retrospect, if I had gotten a mastectomy, I don't, I don't know for sure who knows sure. what is what, but I could have possibly avoided the spreading of the cancer. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't want to say like coulda, shoulda, woulda, cause right. I try to be like, I'm in the, present and I'm meant to be here now. Right. But in retrospect, if I hadn't been so stubborn, then it would have helped me. So, mm. you know, if other women are in this position, I do encourage them to get a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's part of the learning experience for me. What an edge too, right? Of to figure out when. I mean, I, yes. I, I think that's always such a debate with any kind of um, intense illness that comes up and, and with surgery and everything too. And obviously with your breasts, it's such a, yeah. Im, you know, important part of being a woman. Right. And yet, yeah. I mean, everything you've been through has taught you all of these other much more, um, important aspects of life and the bigger things. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm going to actually have a, um, an expert on here soon, um, who's, who focuses on um, breast implant illness and yeah. And how, you know, this is a big thing that's coming up right now. Um, and you know, that um, quite a few women are having these kind of unknown things, you know, even thinking of like it's autoimmune issues and then they end up getting their breast implants removed and it turns out it was from them. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just think, you know, it's really deep. And especially when you think about um, women with cancer who have mastectomies and like, you know, I think that they deserve to be able to get breast implants, you know, but then what, what can that bring to in the long term? So there's right. just so many levels. Woof. It really is. Yeah. And it's really tied into also with our egos and identity, like you yeah. said, this you know, I tend to have bigger breasts and it was like, well, I don't want to lose one of my breasts, right. you know? And yeah, so there, it is, it's a very big topic. And I've heard that too, about the implants that can make women sick, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your, um, what's the next steps? What's kind of, you know, what are you looking forward to right now? Oh, well, like I said, I'm just grateful to be alive. Mm -hmm. I'm working on this documentary, interviewing people with late stage cancer who are positive, inspiring forces. Nice. And um, some people have experienced radical remission. Yes. Based here in Kauai. It's got nice. a Hawaiian backdrop because my family's from here. And cool. It's here. And I want to write a book as well, sharing my experience. I've been blogging this whole time and writing has been such a gift to yeah. channel whatever fear or anxiety or happiness that I'm experiencing. So well, I feel can... like I've gotten this, excuse me. No, go oh. ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like I have a second chance. So I'm really going to try to put my message out there in the most mm -hmm. effective way and just experience life and to the best of my ability, really. Well, I love that because, you know, I have to believe that we go through these experiences so that we can help others heal ultimately. Right. right? And yeah. um, I mean, it's so great that you've been blogging this whole time because it's like you probably have a good chunk of your book right there on yeah. your blog, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like, I have all this material. I might as well just bring it all together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, where can people go to find your blog? Uh, so I started a page called cancerwarrioress.com mm -hmm. okay. and I have all my blogs pages for the last three and a half years. Um, I haven't been as active there 
but place where you can find me the most is Instagram. Mm -hmm. I really love the platform Instagram because you could put amazing pictures and love the stories. So I do videos and such there. So that's Tara Coyote Instagram, T-A-R-A-C-O-Y-O-T-E. Um, I also have a YouTube page as well. And also Facebook page, Cancer Warriors. So I'm not as active there. Mm -hmm. We're also creating a page for my film, cancerthriverfilm.com. And we'll have Ooh. an Instagram and Facebook page. So that's coming soon. Cool. Do you have any idea when the documentary is going to come out? Or is it kind of, you got to figure out as you go along with the stories? It's in the beginning stages. I have three interviews so far and we're really at the seed phase of just figuring out how we're going to do it and what makes mm -hmm. most sense. And we'll do a fundraiser. So cool. Well, in the next year, I hope. <laughs> nice. Well, everybody should be on the lookout for that. Yes. Tara, thank you so much for being here with us today. This is amazing to hear your story. And, um, I, you know, I often talk about, I mean, I get, I get frustrated with allopathic medicine. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, I think we need to, um, really have this marriage between allopathic and functional or natural health or whatever you want to call it, um, in order to really see us survive, you know, this, these next coming years, because, um, you know, the old ways, have um are dying out but then it's like have all of this knowledge that has been around forever too that we can bring in you know and and really bridging those i think is just is so important and you know obviously staying on the cutting edge of of um, studies and medicine is huge right and you're a testament to that right this wouldn't have probably been true five years ago i'm guessing i believe you're right yeah yeah, yeah and i do want to say something about that thank you for mm -hmm. saying that just I was so stubborn in my belief system before that I was pushed to the edge of death. And if I had had more of an open mind before, I might have prevented this situation I'm in. And I also have seen friends who were so adhering to the natural method of healing that they unfortunately died. I've had many friends do that. And to the other extreme, people on the allopathic method. And every person is different on the cancer journey. It's not like there's one path, you know, what works for me might not work for somebody else. But I think there is a really nice marriage of the two that can happen complementary. And it's, it's important for people to look at because there is so much fear from one side to the other. So to bring it together can just create a lot of uh, healing potential, basically. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you even put the word fear in there because I think, you know, I'll have women um, that learn about my story and what happened to me and they'll email me and they'll say, oh my God, I'm set for fibroid, you know, surgery tomorrow and I read your story and I'm freaking out now. And I said, you know, you have to go into it with believing fully that it's going to be amazing. You know, this is what you've set your mind to doing and this is where, where you need to, to move into it. You know, I mean, there's absolutely, you know, I get it. I get the fear. Obviously we're always going to be dealing with some level of that, but you know, getting your mind wrapped around, okay, this is, this is the path that I've, I've chosen to take, you know, and I always remind people that, you know, what happened to me was extreme. It doesn't happen to most women that, that undergo myomectomies. Um, and, you know, if you've gotten to that point that this is the decision you've made because everything else hasn't worked out, then go into it, you know, believing full force that it's going to be amazing and you're going to do well, right? Yep. There you go. Attitude is everything. Yep. For sure. 
All right. Well, thanks again for being here with us today, and I will see you guys next week.